Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Mark chapter 11. Some of you probably guessed it before I said it. Mark chapter 11. We've been here now for about four weeks on about three verses. So uh, if you're asking, Pastor, when are you going to get off of this series? First off, whenever you learn it. <laughs> and, and secondly, secondly, whenever the Lord releases me. Uh, I would imagine the second will tie into the first somehow. <laughs> but uh, wow, wow. Has anybody been affected? Has God changed your speech? Anybody changing your confession and what you're saying? Okay, I, I see I got to keep preaching this for a while. Is anybody's God affecting how you talk and what you're saying? I, I sure hope he is. My goodness, I sure hope this is getting down in your spirit. And, uh, you know, it'd be foolish for me to tell, you know, this, this what, what we've been going over is a, is a secret. It's one of the mysteries of the gospel. It's one of the mysteries of the gospel. And it, it would be dangerous for us to sit and to listen week after week after week about the power of what we say, the power of what you believe, and, and, and what God has been laying out for us and what we've been unpacking here. It would be foolish for you to not start living it out. It would, it would be like laying out, uh, you know, if you were in, in illness or sickness and you go to the doctor and the doctor says, you know, here's all the options. You can, you can be healthy. There's a cure. There's, we can treat this. You can get over this. And, and you can walk in health. And then you, the doctor goes and lays it all out in front of you. And you look at the doctor and say, oh, that's okay. I don't want to be healthy. It's okay. I'd rather just be sick. It's okay. I'm sure y'all probably see things like that. But, but uh, you know, that's not the life that, that I want to live. I want to live in spiritual health. I want every, every, my wife said it, I want every blessing, every promise that God has made available to me in His presence. In His presence, everything that we have need of, in His Word, everything that you have need of is available. And so I, we want you to walk in the blessing of the Lord. Uh, you know, let me, let me just give you, well, before I say that, let me jump back to what my wife was saying earlier. I, I want to comment on something that she said. You know, she was talking about it's easy in, in this atmosphere to catch the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we, 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 we say that term, you know, the, the anointing can be caught. You're in an atmosphere where his presence is. It's, you know, it's just permeating. You, you just sit in this atmosphere and eventually you'll start noticing things are changing. Your life starts changing. You didn't even know that you needed to change. And all of a sudden, God starts putting his fingers on things. And you're like, wow, you know, it's just the atmosphere of his presence. It's awesome. But the same Holy Spirit that, that will make you shout, the same Holy Spirit that stirs like a fire in your bones, the same Holy Spirit that does all of that is the same Holy Spirit who helps you be a disciple. Now don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. I know that was exciting news. Everybody, a disciple is a disciplined, my wife said it earlier, disciplined learner. And so as disciples of Jesus, yeah, we love, 
you know, the, the Spirit, you know, when the Holy Spirit moves and He's touching and changing and signs and wonders and all of those things. But as we say time and time and time again, Spirit and truth must kiss. And so the same Holy Spirit that is moving in this place today, moving in your life and healing and doing all that He's doing, the same Holy Spirit is going to help you be a disciplined learner of Christ. It's going to tell you, he's, yeah, he's going to set you free from those, from those cigarettes. He's going to set you free from that alcohol. He's going to set you free from the addiction to success. But he's also the same Holy Spirit that's going to tell you, don't pick up that cigarette. He's the same Holy Spirit who's going to tell you, don't go into that bar. He's the same Holy Spirit who's going to tell you that your identity is found in Christ. It's the same. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let, let, me, let me tell you a, a story about this past week. I've witnessed what we are talking about happen. And I've had multiple testimonies of this. And so I just want to share this past Sunday after service, our, some of our core uh, part of our body had an, had an opportunity to minister to someone in our church who had a need. And it was so awesome to watch uh, as people, and I'm talking about finances, it was awesome to watch as, as people dug in their purses and their wallets and brought out money. And I'll tell you, it was a good, good sum of money that was, was given to this person who had a need. It was awesome to watch how God met supernaturally. It was awesome. But I'm standing there and I was reminded as I'm watching this unfold and, and, and what God was doing. And I told everybody before they gave, I said, listen. And those that were in the room know, know what I'm talking about. I said, listen, the, God says he will repay you as you give to those who have need. As you give alms, God will repay you. That's, that's Bible. It's, it's an equal exchange. Now, when you tithe, it's multiplied. Okay? When you tithe, God says, I will multiply. But when you give alms, the Bible talks very clearly about alms. He gives back those that lend to the needy. So he, he, God repays. And uh, man, that's awesome. That's a whole sermon in itself. God repays as you lend to those who have need. It was awesome to watch and, and to hear, I think most importantly, to hear not just how God met the need for a family in our church, but how God re is repaying people. I said, watch this week as God repays you what you just gave. And I can tell you, myself, God repaid me. I had multiple people come up. You know, God, we had God repaid us, and this is how he repaid us. This week, in one week's time, that's pretty good odds, you know? That's, that's pretty good. You go, you go to a loan officer, you've got 36 months or plus interest. God says, I'll repay you within seven days. I'll repay you sometimes the same day. And, and, there's, and he, wow, isn't that awesome? Just the blessing of the Lord. So I just had to share. I was so excited about that. Just to watch that happen, I, I felt one like a proud daddy watching everybody minister to the body. But, but I, I was even more excited to watch the results of how God orchestrated it all. It was powerful. Mark chapter 11. Last week we started Power in Your Believing and I, and I just didn't get through it. So we're going to continue on this week. The power of your believing. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Now, I just want to recap a little bit there. The faith in God, you know, we don't put our faith in our circumstances. Our faith is in God. We, we have a firm confidence and a firm assurance of what God has said he will do. 
Amen? So as a part of this, having faith in God, faith comes from what? Hearing the message concerning Christ. So every word of God can, carries the DNA, it carries a seed of faith. And when it is deposited into our heart, produces the fruit of faith. Now, you've got to, you and I have got to watch what we say. The, the Bible tells us in Proverbs that the power of life and death is in the tongue. So we have to watch what we say out of our mouth. There is a, a seed that is sown. As we speak words, we're either sowing a word that carries a DNA of faith or we're sowing a word that's bringing death and destruction. And in this, I, I, I want to just... I want to pause for a moment and just talk about this for a minute. I've, I jotted down some notes. This was uh, late last night as, as I was pondering and meditating on this scripture and just praying about today. When, when we talk about guarding what we say, we, we, have a, we have a phrase that we use frequently around here. Is that we want a house that is a house of honor. That we honor God and we honor one another. And we, we talk about that every so often. And this largely is affected by what you and I say. Are you out there? What you say affects the house of honor. In Ephesians 4.29, it says, let, us, let our words build up. We talked about this a few weeks back, that building up. Our words are, are like the mortar. They're a structure that can build up someone's life. We are creating a house. We're building a house of honor that is supported by what you and I say. And so if we speak, uh, you know, we, we talk about this in the context of our personal lives. But let's just, let's pull this into the church context. If we're speaking hurtful things, negative things over one another, guess what's happening? That, that mortar is being weakened. That, that house of honor gets weakened. But when we begin to speak life, we're building up. We're encouraging. We're building up one another. And so it's creating this temple or this house of honor. When we operate in a place of honor, we operate in the lens of eternity. We operate in the lens of eternity. When, when we view one another through the natural, how he hurt me, how she let me down, they did this, they did that, they have this weakness or this quirk, and we view one another in the natural, we dishonor. We dishonor them. Well, don't you remember when you did this? Well, they did that. Well, we can go on and on, story after story. We've all been there. Someone's let us down, said something, something happened, and, and, it, and we can get stuck there if we stay in our natural mind. But when we view others through the lens of eternity, we see them as the Father sees them. We, sees, we see them as the Father sees them. So we're not looking at them at what they did wrong. We look at them, how does, how does God view you? Does he look at you and see the list of sins and offenses that are against you? Does the holy God, when he look at you as a born-again believer, see the list of offenses and laws that you have broken before him? Does he? 
No. What does he see? He sees Christ. He sees Christ. He sees the blood that has been applied to your life. He sees the righteousness of Christ that's been placed on your life. And so when we honor one another, it says, I'm not, I'm choosing not to look at you. I'm not going to speak with you concerning who you were or how you used to live. I'm going to speak with you concerning how God sees you. If, if you begin to view one another like that, you begin to speak blessing over one another, not curses. You refuse to gossip about one another because it's not how the Father sees. I'm, I'm speaking to you, Paul said, not as a baby. I, I'm coming to you with the Word of God. I'm seeing you as the Father sees you. I, we, don't, we, we don't want to continue on in immaturity. We don't want to continue on speaking negative. We want the, the Father to be glorified in our speech. We want God, when I look at you, I, I, don't want, I don't want you to continue on in destruction or lack or brokenness. I don't want your life to continue on in barrenness. I want you to experience the fullness of God. And so I speak to you regarding the Word of God, what He's saying over you, that you are an overcomer, that God has has promised about it. Yeah, you a filthy, ugly thing in and of yourself, but look what God has done in you. Look, look at Christ. See Christ. Yeah, the, that person left to their own schemes and their own devices. Yeah, they're wretched. But when Christ comes, the scenario changes, the perspective changes. So I'm not looking at you according to your old way of doing things, your own pattern. What is God doing in your life today? What is God saying over you today? You know, husbands and wives, this might work really good in your marriage. Instead of reminding him or her of everything that they did wrong and pulling out the big bombs every so often, exploding all over one another, start speaking what God says about them. Don't shout me now, my goodness. Some of the husbands or wives didn't nudge one another. Yeah, man, we're going to speak blessing in our marriage. I know that you were a fool, but you married me. So that means you got something good in there. Means when we honor one another. I, I, I'm just, I just want to capture for a moment this. We, we create a house of honor and it's framed by what we say. So I want to challenge you, not only speak the word of God over your life, that was my challenge for you for the year, to speak what God's saying over your life, but begin to speak what God says about others over their lives. Now I realize that might be challenging. But remember the little rudder on the ship. If you want to steer your course off into offense and hurt and, and, and torn relationships, burned bridges, you just keep on talking. You just keep on going that path and watch what will happen. But if you'll say, I'm committing myself to speak what God says about other people over their life. I'm going to stop allowing my rudder to go to. Listen, you might have to lay hands on yourself and pray in, over, in tongues over yourself uh, for a few hours before you encounter certain people. I get it. But it is worth it. It is worth allowing the Holy Spirit to direct your ship and your mouth. 
and start speaking the word of God and the blessing of God over people's lives. Now, now let's, let's go on because I'll, I'll camp out here and I don't want to do that. <clears throat> he says, have faith in God for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. Now, I didn't get, I didn't get very far into this last week and so I, I want to pause here. Whoever says to the mountain. Mountains are going to come in the course of your life. You can't avoid them. It doesn't matter how much belief you have, how much faith you have, mountains are going to come. How you handle them represents where your faith is. How you respond to them, is God going to be bigger in you or is that mountain going to be bigger in you? Greater is he who is in me. You hear me? Greater, greater is God in me than this mountain I'm staring at. Greater is God's word in me than this mountain. Greater is he in me than this situation that I'm facing. My God is bigger than this problem. My God is bigger than this situation. So it's okay if I speak to my mountain because I'm speaking a word that's bigger than that mountain. I'm releasing a word that's bigger than that mountain. When I stand at that thing and I say, mountain, you will move into the sea. You're going to melt. That word of God, the promise of God is bigger than the thing you're staring isn't that good to know? God has deposited something. It's a seed, but it's bigger than the mountain. It's a seed, but it's bigger than the thing that you're facing. If you will release it, it will multiply. If the seed stays in your pocket, it never multiplies. If the seed stays inside and you don't release it, it never grows. It never becomes fruitful. But when you sow a seed, Lester, when you sow a seed, it multiplies. That one little apple seed becomes a big apple tree that produces apples and apples and more seeds. Now, when you operate in a, in a lack, I, I want to go and dive a little bit deeper here. God said... That we are to have the God kind of life. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and might have it more, what? Abundantly. How many of you want the abundant life? I do. I want to walk an abundant life. I don't want to walk in a poverty life. I don't want to walk in a poverty mindset. I'm not talking about resources. You can have resources and still be in poverty. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about whether you have faith in God or you don't. Whether you're walking with Jesus in an abundant life or you're not. When, when someone in a poverty mindset comes to the mountain, they look at the mountain and they keep going around the mountain and they never deal with the mountain. Somehow in the poverty mentality, we think that if we go to the mountain and we just walk around it and keep ignoring it, it will go away. The problem is not going to go away. That mountain, God has allowed that mountain in your path so that you can begin to walk in what God said you can walk in. Did you hear me? God has allowed that. <clears throat> God could easily say, no, he doesn't need a mountain. Or she doesn't need a mountain. We don't need to do that. We'll just go down the easy road. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Talking about a mountain. 
Does anybody hear me? I'm going through a valley. When you walk through the valley, when you go out here and, and, and walk through the valley of Akron, you can see the hills. When you're walking through a valley, you see what? The mountains. I'm going through the valley of death. I see mountains on either side of me. But I will, what? Fear no evil, for God is with me. I'm going to speak to this mountain. Mountain, you might be a mountain of death. But I am not fearing. I have no fear. I walk in the security of God's love. He's walking with me. You begin to walk in the promise of God. Now, God doesn't want you to keep going around that mountain. It's time to speak to the mountain. What David do? In the middle of his valley, in the the middle of being surrounded by mountains of death. The valley of death. What does he say? God prepares a table for me. Right in the middle of this thing. Right in the middle of this heart. God, he's made a feast for me. Now, David had no problems with lack. I want you to watch this. David had no problems with a poverty mindset. Poverty looks at that, that mountain and says, Oh my goodness, woe is me. Death is all around has mourners come out? Everybody, you just want everybody to feel sorry for you. I was, I was saying something this week or recently, and the Holy Spirit convicted me after I said it, and he said, why were you talking about that? Well, I was just talking. I was venting. <laughs> Leave me alone, Holy Spirit. Don't preach my message at me. <laughs> why, why were you saying that? I was venting. He said, no, you weren't. You wanted people to feel sorry for you. Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave me alone. So maybe I did. <laughs> so what? <laughs> you ever been there? Holy Spirit just pokes right there at you. You're like, oh, man. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yeah, that's poverty. That's not abundance. That's poverty speaking. That's not abundance. And David didn't, he didn't have a problem with that. He's right in the middle of the valley of death. And God, God doesn't just give him a little piece of manna and a little bit of water. He says, no. He prepared a feast. He prepared a table. He prepared a feast for me right in the presence of my enemies. Look here, buddy. You, wanna, you, you want some of this? See this? Look what God did. You think you can shut me up? You think you can kill me? Look what God did. He prepared a feast for me right in the morning. You were trying to kill me? You were trying to take me out? Look what God did. He made a feast. He said, I'll sustain you. I'll give you the nourishment that you need to make it through this, this season. I'll support you. I'll sustain. And somebody's missing an opportunity to shout here. God, right in the middle, right in the middle when they wanted to take him out, right in the middle where they said, your supply is cut off. David said, I've got a supply you know not of. I have a feast right here, baby. God's taking care of my every need. He had no problem with poverty. He said, God has prepared a table for me in the middle of death. And he spoke right in the poverty. He says, nope, let's, let's just go around this mountain. Let's not deal with it. Let's ignore it. Maybe, maybe your enemies won't see that you're circling the mountain. Maybe they'll get confused and think that you just keep circling.
I'll tell you what circle buzzards circle. God didn't call you to be a buzzard. Looking for prey. Oh, maybe we'll, we'll get something today, buddy. You know, he called you to be an eagle and to soar. He called you to soar. Poverty looks at the mountain and sees an obstacle of defeat. Have faith in God. God said, speak to that mountain. It's not an obstacle. It's not defeat. Abundant life looks at that and says, there's a miracle waiting right there. Abundance is not about accumulating wealth. That's not, God's not after. God's not after you just having a comfortable lifestyle. He's after you having a powerful lifestyle. He's not after your comfort. He's after his power being worked in and through your life. When you get to the mountain, it's not an opportunity. Oh, let's just recline and hang out. No, there is the power of God is at work with you. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything that you can ask, think, or imagine according to the power of God that is at work within you. My God, you've got power working on the inside of you. He wants you to live in that power. Speak to that thing. Release the word. I jotted this down about wealth. When we, when we think about wealth, we think about resources. And a lot of times, you know, especially if you've never understood the difference between poverty and abundance and understanding the, the difference of the mindset, you'd be like, oh, well, pastor's talking about money again. Pastor's talking about, no, I'm not. Wealth doesn't mean abundance any more than a duck is a Delta pilot. I'll say that again. Might help you. Wealth doesn't, wealth doesn't mean abundance any more than a duck is a Delta pilot. <laughs> they don't necessarily equate. You can have resources, you can have wealth and still be stuck. You can still get to that mountain and God's everything you have need of God's ready to provide and the mountain still stands and you keep going around it God didn't call you to go around the mountain he called you to melt the mountain poverty refuses to examine within for fear of inferiority when you come to the mountain instead of speaking to that mountain have faith in God that lack of faith that Doubt rises up and says, oh, but I'm not good enough. Inferiority starts rising up. But when I stand and look at that mountain and I recognize my faith is not in myself. My faith is not in my ability or my talents, my skills or who I am. But who God is in me. You begin to recognize the authority and the identity that God has placed on your life. If God has called you a royal priest, his chosen holy people, guess what? If you're an ambassador of Christ, there is an anointing, there is, there is a commission, there is an authority, there is power in your life to handle that thing you're standing in front of. <laughs> so I refuse 
I refuse to settle for the status quo. I refuse to settle. If you go, let me just talk about this for a moment. You know, if you go to a nice restaurant, and I'm talking a nice place, and you're paying good money for the food, and they, you know, let's, what's a, what's a nice restaurant? Ken Stewart, there's a Ken Stewart. What's one of the expensive places around here? Do they have those around here? Fleming's, okay, somebody said Fleming's. There we go, we'll just throw out Fleming. Yep, Fleming's is, yep, you're gonna pay a good 100, 150 bucks a person. There, you know, you, you go there and you're, what, you go in and you expect, what, you expect a certain class of service. And if you go in and you sit down and they bring to you a meal that looks like you just went down to Rockney's. Now, I like Rockney's. I'm not, I'm not griping about Rockney's. Nobody sent me any ugly letters or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not marketing for Fleming's or anything like that either. But if you go in there and they, and they do that, you're going to be aggravated. Why? Because there was an understanding that there, there was a, a level of service you were expecting. When you live in, in an abundance mindset, there is an expectation that God isn't going to settle for status quo in your life. He's not just an average God. He's not just average. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly and above. So much so that Paul couldn't put it into words. He had to make up words. He made that, those words that it's a double uh, compound word that in the Greek, uh, exceedingly, abundantly. Be, he's trying to describe the vastness of who God is and what he's doing in your life. And a lot of times we're okay with a Rockney's anointing and a Rockney's blessing when God's trying to move us into Fleming's. He's trying to get you to walk. I'm not talking about food, although it sounds good. I'm not talking about your steak dinner for lunch. I'm talking about where God wants you to walk and live as a believer. Have faith in God that if you speak to this mountain, it will move. It may not move how you want it to move. It may not go into the sea that you think it's going in. Having faith in God does not determine the how. God didn't say, have faith in God, speak to the mountain, and this is how you're going to move it. Are you following? He says, have faith in God. For whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things, he says, will be done. doesn't say how it's done. He says, believe says, does not doubt in his heart, but believes. Believes what? What does it say? Believes those things. Everybody say things. It says, believe those things. God doesn't have a problem with things. Faith is the evidence of things. We've, you've been lied to and told... That God has a problem with things. You've been told you're more spiritual if you don't have things. Don't shout me down. Well, you know, I just want to. I want to. I want to be respectful of God, and I'll just. I'll just keep that. No. God's trying to move you someplace. 
You can't be, listen, when Heather was talking about this earlier, man, my, I thought I was going to start shouting. She was talking about the, the abundance of God, so much blessing of God on your life that you don't even have room for it. That's, I signed me up. <laughs> now listen, I'm not saying that because I'm greedy. That's not out of greed. I'm not saying, Lord, fill my house because I just want a house full of things. Just fill, fill my barns so that it could be full of stuff that I never use. I want there to be such blessing on my life that if someone comes to me and says, I need a million dollars to launch this minute, okay, million dollars, here you go, not a problem. I, I want there to be such a blessing that, it, that if what God says is true, if God is going to give us a vision for his house and to reach this, this region in an unprecedented way, that I, then there's got to be resources to do it. There's got to be things to accomplish what he's called us to do. Does anybody hear me? If God's called you to, to do something, he's got to give you the things to do that. So there's nothing wrong with things. If there was a problem with things, God would have never commissioned you and called you to do something. Because you've got to have something to do something. Matter of fact, he told his disciples when they left, don't take anything with you. In other words, I'm going to provide for you along the journey. You're going to, you are going to watch the supernatural, and we never see Jesus lacking anything. Everything that he had need of for his ministry was always there. Whether it was just a few fish, five loaves, a couple fish, or whether it was a multitude of people, whatever he needed, it was there. Things were taken care of. Y'all follow? So whoever believes... That the things that he says, believes, not, did not say for you to figure out how it's going to happen. He just said, believe when you pray. Believe when you speak to that mountain. Believe. Everybody say believe. 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 What's your job? Believe. What are you to do? Believe. As for you and your household. You will be saved. He didn't, he didn't say that you had to go convert every single family member and tell them how, how they're wrong and in sin. And need to, don't Come on now. Some of you, when you hear that verse, it means you had to go preach hell out of everybody. And they probably look at you and say, get the hell out of here. <laughs> they, want, they want hell out of you just as much as you want it out of them. <laughs> That's not a curse word in Louisiana. You got to be careful about those things up here. You get, you get in dangerous trouble. Every Cajun says that down there. You just you never know what you're going to hear from those Cajuns. <laughs> in church. I'm not talking about Genesis. I'm just talking about in church. <laughs> Believe. 
I love what Job said. Job 19. For I know. Everybody say, I know. I I believe. I believe. I am convinced. This belief is more than just a thought or an idea or perception. This is a divine reality. I know my Redeemer lives. I know my friends are against me. I know everything else is going against me. But one thing I know, my Redeemer lives. And he goes on and he says, and I'll stand with him. <laughs> I'll stand. He looked past all of time. Job, one of the earliest patriarchs, looks through the, 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 the time Time as we know it. Time where we're today. And he says, I will stand with him on the earth. He sees when Jesus himself comes at the last, the end of all things, and puts his foot down on Mount of Olives and stands on this earth. And Job says, I see all the way through this mess. I see all the way through my problems. I know how this is going to end up. I know where this mountain is going. Jesus is going to put his foot down on this thing and it's going to split wide open. I know I'm going to stand with him. You can't tell me anything. To, I don't. It doesn't matter how bad the issue might be or the problem might be. I'm going to stand with him. And bless God if I'm if he's standing with me and I'm standing with him. Ain't no devil in hell can do anything about it. Ain't no ugly friend going to do it. You can say what you want about me. You can talk about me. That's okay. Just kick them out of the house. They'll shut up eventually. We talked about it last week. you got to put those people out of the house. And know who you're standing with. Know who you're standing with. Don't allow them to influence. I know whom I have believed, Paul told Timothy. I know whom I have believed. This isn't a flippant faith. Paul was standing facing imminent death. I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded. You may try to kill me, but that you might stop this natural body. But the word that I've spoke, it ain't going nowhere. It, it will not fade away. It will not pass away. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. But this word I've been preaching, this word I've been standing on, this word that I've been speaking and proclaiming, it will not cease. And sometimes you just have to get, you have to encourage yourself in the Lord and say, I know whom I have believed and he's able. I might be facing death, but I know he is able. My God, I feel somebody's getting set free this morning. There's a faith rising up on the inside of you. I know whom. I know whom. You can't convince me otherwise. He, Paul tells Timothy in this verse, 2 Timothy 1 12 through 14, I love what he says in verse 13. He says, retain the standard. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me. Isn't it interesting? I know whom I have believed. And the foundation of my belief is on what I've preached and what I've said. It's on the word of God. Retain these words. That word retain in the Greek is the word echo. Sound familiar? Echo. It means to repeat, to say the same thing. What does homologio mean? Confession. It means to say the same thing. So we're, we're saying the same thing. Two different Greek words. We're saying the same thing. Retain, to come into agreement with, to speak the sound words that you've heard from me. What are the sound words? It's the gospel. 
It's the word of God. Retain, echo, speak, come into alignment and agreement with what God says and say these things. And he even adds, verse 14, to guard through the Holy Spirit, to guard the treasure. Paul says, these words I've spoken to you, this word of God that's on the inside of you is a treasure. It's, it's more valuable than the riches of the world. The word of God that's on the inside of you produces an abundant life more than, than the millions and the billions of dollars in currency in this world could ever do. The word of God. It is, it is a treasure. Guard it. Men are selling all that they have to find this treasure. And you have it, Timothy. You have it. Guard it. You have it. Celebration. You have the word of God. The treasure of God. Believe the word of God. Have faith in God. Speak his word. God didn't ask you how to figure out how to do it. He said, believe and it'll be done. Believe and it'll be done. When you're looking at a mountain, I'm going to wrap this up in a minute. When you look at the mountain, there's a mountain, there's an issue, there's a situation. I, I want to speak something over you. Can I just, I just sense the Lord saying, it's time for a revolution. It's time for a revolution. Now, I want you to understand, a revolu- it's a forcible change. It's a, it's a forcible overthrow. I'm not talking about politics this morning. I'm talking about how you live your life. It's time for you to be a revolutionary. The sees a mountain and says, I'm not going to settle. That sucker is coming down. That issue is going to be resolved. God's going to handle it. I'm going to, I'm going to stand there. I'm going to speak the word of God. I'm not going to doubt in my heart, and I'm going to believe that is radical Christianity. You know that? That's radical. People don't want to talk about that. Oh, you're one of those. You speak to things. Uh-huh. You probably pray in tongues, too. You speak to things. Yes, I do. <laughs> because I believe what God said. It's in red. You know I'm joking. But it's, it's there. It's in the Word of God. It's red. Jesus said it, standing at the fig tree that he had cursed because it was fruitless. It's time for you to stop living a fruitless life. It's time to stop living a fruitless life. The same God who has imparted supernatural power into your life demands supernatural fruit. And in order to do that, you're going to have to stand at some mountains and say, I'm believing. I'm standing on the word of God. Matthew 6, 28. I love this. says, what are you worried about? Why are you worried about clothing? (laughs) I love this. Jesus is so practical. Why are you worried about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil or spin. And I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory 
was not clothed like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more? How much more will he not clothe you? Now, I want, I want to say something. Let someone say, well, pastor, you're, you know, I thought God, you know, we're, you know, God centered. How does this fit in? Well, let me help you. These things and all of, all of the supply and the provision of God, they're but drops. It's like raindrops in the bucket. And God is the ocean. He is the supplier. He is the source. He is the center. And all of the things that he supplies is for, the, for your enjoyment and for the furtherance of his kingdom. If you don't have any drops in the bucket to give, what, what on earth are you planning on giving? When God says to you, you need to be generous and out of, you need to give, and there's a situation to give and you don't have anything to give, how, how are you going to walk in that? Does anybody hear me? If you're standing at a mountain and God's saying, I want you to speak to that mountain, but there's no word on the inside of you to speak, how? So, there, so we have to dive in. We have to dive into the ocean. Let the ocean, let, let God be the center, but let the rain of his provision come. If we keep reading, I, I want to wrap this up. Let's just keep going. I might get out of Mark chapter 11 after five weeks. <laughs> I love this. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. My goodness, we could just stop there. When you pray, I, I, I was not going to stop there, but I'll stop there. When you pray, how do you pray? When you pray, is there an assurance in your heart? Are you hoping that God might hear you from heaven as you pray? My God, you've been, he's invited you in. You didn't deserve to pray. You didn't deserve to come in. But God, my God, he's called you to come in. He said, you come and present your request. Well, you come and pray earnestly. You come. I want to hear. I hope you're getting this. Man, my goodness. If he said, come, then guess what? He does, he's not inviting you in to pray so that he can look at you and go, bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> sorry, you're on your own. Good luck. I made note of that. Our secretaries made note of that here in heaven. Gabriel, you got that? We're good? Okay. See ya. That's not how he operates. He's called you to come in. He knows what you have need of before you even ask. He's concerned and he wants to respond. He just wants time with you. So if you come in and say, Daddy, you said, see this valley of death we're facing? You said you'd handle that. You said, I would live and not die and see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's what you said. You got to do something about this. You said, I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak to that. But you said, you got to do it. My job is to believe. I'm going to speak. Out of the abundance of your heart, I'm believing in my heart. I'm not down. I'm going to speak. Mountain, death, you must be removed. I will live and not die and see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's what God said, not me. God says, okay, you got it. That's what, you, that's what I said. That's what you said. 
You said what I said. Let's do it. How do you pray? That's not our job to tell him how to do it. But he says, when you pray. When you pray. Do you pray? (laughs) When you pray. Now let's keep going. I love this. Verse 25. And whenever you stand praying. Uh Uh-oh. We've got a prerequisite to the promise. I've saved the best for last. This is good. If you want, let me just say, disclaimer, if you want anything that we've talked about over the past five weeks, here's the catch. If you want a catch, here's the catch. It's a good catch. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, (laughs) uh (laughs) uh-oh, Oh, yeah, God, we're going to speak to the mountains. Hallelujah. Whoa, (laughs) forgive. (laughs) That mountain's not going to be crossable, Lord. (laughs) Let's just keep going around that one. Let's go around another 40 years. I'll figure out how to forgive them at some point. Uh Uh-oh, yeah. He says, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Oh God, we want a miracle. Oh, I'm going to stand, I'm going to speak. Forgive. Unforgiveness is the greatest obstacle to mountain-moving faith. Unforgiveness will filter every promise of God through the lens of bitterness. It limits your perception. Instead of seeing the impossible becoming possible, instead of seeing the unbelievable become reality, you see the offense, you see the hurt. Unforgiveness leaves you in sin. Because it's a sin. It will take you further and destroy your life more than anything else. That root of bitterness. Hebrews says, do not allow the root of bitterness to spring up offending many. This, This offense, the unforgiveness, will cause that mountain to stay right where it's at. To keep you stuck. And it will cause everyone else around you a problem. A root of bitterness will spring up. And I'm telling you, the root of bitterness will spread. It's a root. You know, have you ever seen tree roots? You know, you dig around. We had, when we bought our house, we had these little shrubs around our house. And we thought, oh, we'll just pull them up. Lester brought his tractor over. And, and we tied those shrubs up to the tractor. We started pulling on those suckers. I thought our house was going to come off the foundation. I promise you, those roots are probably woven into the concrete of our foundation by now. I mean, it's, it was crazy. I thought, oh, my goodness. And so we ended up, well, we ain't pulling those things up. We just got to cut them off at the, Brad Marks is out there cutting all these bushes off with a saw. And we're sticking root killer down, drilling holes and destroying drill bits, trying to kill these roots. It was crazy. Those, those roots 
You don't always know that they're there. The root of bitterness, you don't always know that it's there until a little sapling starts springing up through the ground. You're like, oh, I thought I dealt with that 20 years ago. I thought I was over that. And here comes this little sapling thing springing through the ground. You're like, oh, well, let's just cut that off. I forget it was there. <laughs> we don't want to talk about that. We don't, want to, we don't want to just ignore it. And then you find yourself at a mountain. And you're speaking and you're speaking and you're speaking and you're trying and you're trying. And all you're seeing is defeat. And God's saying, the defeat didn't begin with what you're saying. The word is still true. It's because you're operating in the wrong motive. You're operating. Things are amiss because there's a fence in your heart. One of the greatest schemes of the devil is to get you trapped up in a fence. Whether it's, you know, well, they said this, they did this, they, you know, it's so easy. My goodness, it's so easy. Well, yeah, they have a fence. That person, Paula, she's offended. I mean, we can see it all over Paula. She's offended. We all know that this is not true. And you see, Paula wears the offense, you know. Whoa. But me, I'm okay. And then, before you know it, little bits and pieces start to reveal. There's a root down there. And little by little, God need, he's uprooting that root of offense. Let me just pause here. I, I, think I've, I think I've stumbled onto something by the Holy Spirit this morning for somebody. How do you know that you're offended you know, what, is, there, is there a tell sign when you're offended? Yeah, there's a few. There's a few. But the unfortunate about offense is that after so many years, you develop a, a life pattern around that offense. The root is there. The dirt just kind of goes in around it and life happens and everybody knows there's roots. All those shrub roots are still under the ground by our house. You don't know that they're there. You drive by our house, you don't know that they're there because all the shrubs are gone. Everything's covered with dirt. You don't know that there's roots there. Life has gone on as normal, so we say. Until you decide to re-landscape and decide to plant some new bushes or new flowers. And you take your shovel and you go right to where one of those shrubs' main roots was, and you ding! And you're like, why can't I dig? There's roots there. And you realize there's a problem because you tried to put something to grow new. You try to grow new fruit in a place where there's roots of offense. Now, I'm going to help you this morning. You cannot grow new fruit where there's roots of offense. Offense will always strangle out the new fruit. You've got to get the roots up. Is this helping you this morning? Are you, are you understanding? If you're going to walk in mountain-moving faith, Jesus made it very clear, mountain-moving faith begins at forgiveness. You've you got to let them off the hook. 
Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Get rid of the root of offense and watch what will happen. When you forgive, when you really forgive, worship team, you all can come back. When you really forgive, it's like the chains, I want to, it's like the chains come off. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so wonderful.